0: In Philippians this morning. If you are a guest here, this is your first time, you are our VIP, and we're so glad and honored that you would come and be here with us. We're in a series, we're kind of toward the tail end of a series. We're going verse by verse through the book of Philippians. We're entitled Climate Change, and we're going to look at just a few verses this morning. I promise I won't have you standing very long. Philippians chapter number 3 verse number 12 if you didn't bring your Bible it'll be up on the screen or if you have your worship guide the uh, scripture will be in there and if not then uh, you can pull out your uh, mobile device and pull it up there whatever you use to look at the Word of God we love to uh, study it and look at it together all right let's start in chapter 3 verse number 12 and this is the Apostle Paul speaking and he's writing a letter to the church at Philippi and Paul is in a prison at this time but he's writing to this young church he had visited the church 10 years prior and now he's writing to encourage them he's writing to help them and so we're kind of we get to be a fly on the wall we get to kind of eavesdrop on this uh old-fashioned email all right so let's begin in verse number 12 here's what the bible says not as though i had already attained neither was already perfect but i follow after it that i may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if any Ye be otherwise minded God shall reveal it Even this unto you Basically I love the way The Apostle Paul's writing He's saying basically Hey guys This is what I'm telling you to do Listen to me I'm right And if you don't think I'm right I'm still right Okay That's just the way The Apostle Paul writes And so then he kind of Rounds out this kind of this, this portion of scripture With verse 16 He says Nevertheless Whereto we have already attained Let us walk by the same rule Let us mind the same thing. I'm excited about this message, and I believe God's going to speak to our hearts, but let's pray, and then we'll be seated. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to open your word. I pray that your word would speak to us. Your word is powerful. Your word is quick. Your word has the ability to encourage, to convict, and I pray that it would be a comfort. I pray that it would be a help to people this morning. We give you all the honor and glory for what's going to be done this morning. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We are continuing this series. We're in week number seven, and uh, we're going to look at this portion of Scripture. I've been excited about this message probably since we dove into this book. Just kind of couldn't wait to get to this passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul, like I said, is writing to this church, and we've entitled this series Climate Change because I meet too many people that they will tell you, you'll ask them, hey, how are you doing? And they're saying, I'll have, I'm having a bad day, and you're saying, okay, well, well what's going on? And that bad day just kind of takes over. And they don't know how to ever get over that bad day. The problem is, you and I, we kind of take that bad day with us. We take it into the meeting. We take it into the family. We take it into uh, a coffee or lunch, whoever we're with. And we just—we kind of say, well, I just need to unload on this person. Or I just kind of need, need some help here. I'm not having a great day. And instead of understanding that, we can fight our feelings. You see, we said you need to make the choice to rejoice. Joy is your job, okay? That's our job. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church, and it's amazing because he's writing from a prison. It'd be one thing if the Apostle Paul was on a beach in the Bahamas, having, uh, sipping a Mai Tai and sitting back and saying, hey, guys, you need, a, you need to be happy. That'd be one thing Would be like, all right, Paul, whatever. But the fact that he's tied to Roman guards, the fact that he's in a Roman prison, the fact that he is suffering, the fact that he is on death row, doesn't know when his last days will be, and yet he still is saying, hey, guys, in all things, rejoice, All of a sudden, we should perk up, we should listen. All of a sudden, we should kind of uh, listen in. It's like when we talk to somebody who served in World War II, we just kind of be quiet, we just listen to them speak. Why? They, they've been through some things. They have some, some wisdom they can share with us. There are some people that have gone through some things, and, and it's not my job to talk. It's my job to listen at that point. And here the Apostle Paul saying, Hey, church, I've been through some things. I'm going to help you now. And so this passage of Scripture is going to be vital. I think it's going to be important. And I'm really excited about this message because I feel that at this point in our church history, this mes- message is critical. The message is entitled Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Because we are exactly almost halfway through the year. Tomorrow starts June 1st, and it's halfway. And here's what happens. We've been talking about, hey, we're in the middle of a miracle. We're in the middle of something great. The problem with being in the middle of something is you don't know, do I keep going or do I go back? Because they're both just as far because you're right in the middle. You're in the middle of the year. You're in the middle of a situation. You're in the middle of a difficulty. And the choice you're making right now is, do we go back or do we go forward? Because it's about the same distance. And so what happens is we have this tendency to give in to complacency. Because why? We're right in the middle of something and it's easy just to kind of relax a little bit and I know we're coming up on summer and I many of you, you're planning your summer vacation and I hope you have a vacation. I hope you, even if it's just a staycation, just take some time off, get your batteries recharged, spend time with the family. I think it's vitally important. I'm encouraged when families want to be together. We need families that want to be together and we understand that, but at the same time we also need to remember that as we're going to have times of relax, what can happen, and maybe some of you are like me, if I go in a season where I just get too relaxed, I get complacent. If I get too relaxed, there's a temptation for me to not do my devotions. There's a temptation for me to not spend that time with the Lord in prayer. There's a temptation for me if I kind of, you know, I, I miss church once or twice There's a temptation to kind of, oh, I miss twice. What's the third one? And we just kind of slip into a pattern where, where you're kind of Oh, I'm not as consistent as I once was. There's, there's a pattern of you take too long off of your ministry where you start getting complacent. You're thinking, well, they've gone this long without me. They must be fine. They don't really need me. And we get complacent. And so I want to challenge you. I really want to encourage you to have this mentality that the Apostle Paul, we're going to study here, that you, you're not going to stop. You won't stop. That nothing will stop you. And so let's dive into it this morning, shall we? In verse number 12, I see it, the Apostle Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You say, what is the Apostle Paul saying here? What's up with this apprehended stuff? Basically, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, something's gotten a hold of me, guys. Something just deep in me. For some of you, Stephen Curry is... I mean, he's just gotten a hold of you. You just watch them on TV. You just watch the Golden State Warriors, and you're just you're pumped up about it, man. As soon as you see your friends, you're like, "Hey, did you see that game? You see, man, we're gonna take that team. We're gonna win the playoffs. it's gonna be great. We haven't been there in oh, fifty years or however long it's been, and you're you're pumped up about it. Something's gotten a hold of you. Some of you, uh, what's gotten a hold of us is anger at the 49ers and their decisions right now. That's what's gotten a hold of us, and or some of you, your job. You're just pumped up about your job. I love being around newlyweds because all those two, you know, they're just googly eyes. I mean. They're they're, just, they're, they're, they're all about each other. Something's just gotten a hold of them. The Apostle Paul is saying, Jesus Christ has gotten a hold of me. And then he's saying, but it's not just enough for Jesus to get a hold of me. He's saying, I want to apprehend that which has apprehended me. He's saying this, church, and this is number one, all right? I want to lay hold of what's got a hold of me. And that's the desire that if we're going to have, if we're going to fight complacency, that's kind of where we've got to start. That we've got to say, wait a minute, Jesus, he came chasing after me. Jesus saved me. He redeemed me. He's changed my life. He's gotten a hold of me. But am I going after him? Am I getting a hold of him? Because many of us, we're fine to say, oh, yeah, Jesus, he did this work for me. And Jesus, he, he did this. And I'm, I'm excited about that. But we don't do our due diligence to go after Jesus Christ, to pursue him. And some of you, if this point is still foggy, just think about that moment where you first saw your spouse. Before they were your spouse. You're like, well, baby, there she goes, and here I go after her. I mean, something in that moment, you saw her, or she saw you, and the guys are thinking, "Oh yeah, she saw me." I mean, all this—come on, are you kidding me? She's not dumb; she knew what she was getting, and and you know that's what we like to think, ladies. That's that's how we build ourselves up as men. But the ladies are just like, "You got to be kidding me!" I threw up in my mouth when he said he liked me a little bit, but I got over that, you know. And so, you know, it's just one of the took some time. And so, uh, when when we first saw our spouse, we we're just thinking, "Man, this person is beautiful. This person is handsome," and inside. Something happened. Disney calls it twitter pated. I don't know what you call it, but they, everybody's got a different thing. You just said, I'm smitten, I've fallen, I've fallen hard, and I'm in love, and I'm just drunk with love, or whatever term you like to you like to use. But something got a hold of you, and you were like, I gotta do something about this. I can't just let this go. I gotta get a hold of that which has gotten a hold of me. And so that's what the apostle Paul's saying. But you say, When did that happen? We don't have a lot of time, but in Acts chapter number nine. Verse number three, this is where we see the conversion of the Apostle Paul. And I want to read a little bit of Scripture to you. It's important as we dive into this. The Scripture begins at verse number three. And as he had journeyed, this is the Apostle Paul, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. Yes, Lord, I speak. I hear your voice. You're calling. Somebody? All right, somebody's got a phone. Anybody? Your phone? Nobody wants to claim it. I get it. It's church. It's all right. We're in a movie theater. You guys, you can lighten up just a little bit. It's all right, okay? It's fine. It's fine. All right. Let me continue reading. Here, the Apostle Paul, he is on this road, and all of a sudden, a bright light shines, and a voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What he's saying is Jesus is telling him, hey, it's hard for you. You've been fighting against You've been fighting this call. I've been pursuing you. I've been after you. And you've been resisting me, Paul. You've been resisting me. You've been resisting the calling I have for your life. You've been resisting the purpose that I have for you. And what I think too often happens in church, when we get complacent, we start resisting. All of a sudden, you're hearing a message, and God is speaking to your heart, and you start squirming in your seat, and you start crossing your arms, and you start trying to distract yourself by pulling out your phone and checking the sports scores, looking at Facebook, because you feel something, and the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart. Holy Spirit's doing something. He's convicting you. He's speaking to you, and you're resisting. You're fighting. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. And finally, the Apostle Paul said, all right, Lord, I'm done running. I'm done. I'm tired of fighting. And for some of you today needs to be that day where you say, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of kicking against what God is trying to do in my heart, kicking against what God is trying to do in my life. I said this and I missed it. And you might want to fill it in. God doesn't need a good message. That's not what he needs. What God wants are good messengers. Because too often we think, well, well, I, I, I'll just go to church and hear a good message. But the important thing to remember is God wants good messengers. You and I are to go out. So you and I, we need to say, God, am I resisting you? Am I fighting against you? See, the Apostle Paul said at that day in Acts chapter number nine, something got a hold of me. And he said here, years later, years later, he says, it's still gotten a hold of me. But here's what I, I love about the Apostle Paul. He says, but I'm still trying to pursue after God. I'm still chasing after that. Can I tell you, there is a, find balance. There's this tension between contentment and complacency. And the apostle Paul recognized that. He recognized that you and I, we can get so content, we can fall into complacency, so we need to find that tension in between both of those. And Christian, hear me this morning, that you need to be content with the house God has given you, you need to be content with the car God has given you, you need to be content with the spouse God has given you, but you should not be content with your spiritual growth. You should not be content with where your children are at, with where your marriage is at, with where your walk with God is at. There are some things God is saying, hey, don't get complacent here, don't just kind of uh, fall off the bandwagon, keep Fighting for these things. Keep going after these things. Don't give up on that wayward child. Don't give up on that wayward coworker. Don't give up on that person you've been witnessing to. Have in your mind that I can't stop and I won't stop. I'll keep going. We need to keep going, keep fighting, keep wrestling. I once heard a quote that said, Status quo has got to go that we can't just live in that society wise and I see it too often especially this time of year as a church we're entering into our summer season and I was talking to my brother I said hey how do you navigate the summer season and he said basically after Labor Day it's almost like from people they kind of check out a church for whatever reason he's like after Labor Day it's just kind of like a checkout so he said the, the thing that you have to do is to pray that people would understand that hey it's not a time to check out I understand it's summer but there's still Satan who's still working there's still people that need to be reached there's still lost people without Christ and it's not time for us just to get complacent. It's not time for us just to say, hey, let's just kick back. Let's just take it easy. There will be times to relax. There will be times to pause, but let's just not get complacent and apathetic. Let's understand that God is moving forward. He wants to do something. So let's wrestle with that tension of contentment and complacency. Let's work at it. You see, we live in a culture, though, where too many times people, they, they are fine with just, they want to they reap, but they don't want to sow. They want a blessing, but they don't want a burden. And so many of you are struggling with that, with how do I navigate that? Hey, I understand I shouldn't be content. I understand I shouldn't be complacent. So how do I wrestle with this? How do I endure this? The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, lay hold of that. Go after that. Push for those things. And he goes on in verse number 13. He says, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. He's saying, I haven't arrived, guys. He's encouraging because some of you may be saying, I hear what you're saying, preacher man. I hear what you're talking about. I hear that you want us to continue forward, but I haven't haven't made it. There's some things I'm still struggling with. The Apostle Paul, he's encouraging us here. He's saying, I I am too. I haven't arrived. I'm not where I should be. I'm not doing everything that I should be, but I'm on that journey. I'm working towards that goal. Uh, Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. Because you need to understand that none of us has have arrived. I don't care how well you're doing in life. I don't care how, how much is in the bank account. I, can't, I don't care how well the kids are doing. None of us has arrived. We all have things in our heart and our life that we're working at. And here's the Apostle Paul, the man that's going to write 13 books of the New Testament, a man that is going to go and preach the gospel far and wide. Here's a great man of God, and here he's saying, Hey, guys, I haven't arrived. I I haven't made it to where I want to be. I'm not all the way there yet. See, Paul is saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm making progress. How many of you, that's what you, you feel like? Hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm making progress. I'm not perfect, but I'm making progress. Can I tell you what? That's what our spouses love to hear. When, they, when we say, hey, you didn't do this. I know, I didn't finish it, but I'm making progress. We're, we're getting closer. Come on, I almost got this room fixed up. Hey, I almost got this thing done. The yard's almost ready. There needs to be progress, all right? We haven't quite arrived, but there's got to be this progress. We're working towards something. But some of you are saying, man, I, I don't know. I, I've messed up too much. There's, there's too much in my past. There's too much that I'm wrestling with. There's too much in my life. I said it last week. Imagine for a second, and some of you, you may not be as familiar with the scripture, but the Bible does talk about Paul's past. Paul was a murderer. He hailed people and put them in prison. Paul would go throughout uh, that region where he had liberty and he would take Christians. He would put them in jail. So just imagine every time the Apostle Paul got up to speak, imagine those faces of those martyrs. martyrs. Imagine the the people that he put in prison. Imagine for him the weight of guilt he had to endure. So don't think that, hey, you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, everything I've done, I've just messed up. I'm just too messed up for God to use me. I'm just too messed up. There's no, there's, and and so what happens is we just say, well, why try? I'm too far gone, so I'll just quit now while I'm ahead. Why keep going? I'll just get complacent, and right here seems good enough, and I'm just going to stop. The Apostle Paul, he said this in verse number 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. He's saying, hey, guys, yeah, my past isn't perfect. Hey, there's things in my life that aren't totally where I would need to be. But you know what? I keep pressing. I keep working. There are things that I need to be doing, and I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop here. He's saying, I'm going to keep going. And he wasn't about to just say, hey, I'm going to put it into neutral and just kind of coast through this thing. He said, no, let's keep going. But for some of you, you're thinking, no, I, I don't know. I, too much has gone on. I want you to understand, anyone that God has ever raised up has at one point in their life let God down. Think about, it. did Abraham let God down? God said, Abraham, hey, you're going to take your wife, and you and your wife, you're going you're to have a, a nation that's going to be like the sands of the sea and like the stars of the sky. And Abraham messed that up pretty bad. Took his wife's servant, and he went and had a relationship with her and then thought he would have uh, children through her, and he messed that up. What about David and Bathsheba? God was, uh, David was a man after God's own heart. Did he mess it up? Of course he messed up. You can go through character after character after character. What about Peter, the great, the bold Peter? He messed up. He didn't just deny Jesus once. He denied him three times. But God still used him. You see, God raises people up, and you may be thinking, well, I've let God down too many times. Here's what you need. You stop letting the past swallow your present. You see, what what has happened in the past for some of you, it's robbing your present. It's swallowing things up where you can't move forward because you're just bound by it. I know memory never travels alone. You have a memory or you go by a place and there's an emotion that comes with that memory. Some of you, that's why you love looking at old photo albums. We, uh, not too long ago, we pulled out our wedding album that Jane and I got when we got married and Megan was sitting there and you could just see Megan was just grinning from ear to ear. And then they always invariably, I don't know if your kids do this. They ask the question, where was I, you know, Megan's like, where, how come I, how come you didn't invite me? And we are like, well, you're with God. You were a star. You were, you know, it's not, it's not time to explain to her where she was, but, uh, she's kind of bitter. And so she's asked us to get remarried so she could be the flower girl and everything. And so, uh, you know, and, and but when you go through those, those, photo albums and all of a sudden emotions or memories start flooding but those memories don't travel alone they travel with emotions and some of you you can look at a photo album and all of a sudden there's great memories and great emotions but some of you a memory will pop into your head and the emotion that follows is not a good emotion it's a painful one it's a hurtful one it's a devastating one And the Apostle Paul, he recognizes this. And he's saying, hey, guys, we've got to forget this. We've got to put it out of our mind. We've got to fight that because Satan wants nothing more than to keep bringing those in your face, to keep reminding you how bad your past may have been. He'll keep bringing that up. And so the Apostle Paul is telling this young church, hey, church, if you're going to be effective, if you're going to do something for the Lord, just understand that you're going to need to forget some things. You're going to need to forget some things. Understand that this church at Philippi was a Roman colony. It takes 10 Jews to have a synagogue. And when Paul went there, he had to meet at the river because there weren't enough Jews to have a synagogue. So there was no place to meet. And so in Jewish custom and Jewish culture, you would go down to a body of water and worship. So they didn't even have 10 Jews in this Roman colony. And this Roman colony was growing and it was a lot of commerce. It was the doorway to Europe and it was strategic. But yet there weren't a lot of Jews there, weren't a lot of Israelites. So the ones that were there understand that they didn't have a lot of encouragement, a lot of help, a lot of people saying, hey, let's keep the old traditions. Hey, let's do, let's follow these things. Let's keep ourselves pure. They didn't have that. And that early church, they wouldn't have had that encouragement either. And so some of you maybe feel like, well, I'm going at this thing alone. Understand the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, keep going. Keep going, church. Keep going. Say to yourself, I can't stop. I won't stop. I'm going to keep going going i was studying a little bit of nascar and i don't know out in california i don't know how many nascar fans there are but i read that nascar they don't have any what they call wing mirrors on any of their cars some of you are like, wing mirrors? What's a wing mirror? Basically, the rearview mirror on the driver's side and the passenger side. They don't have all that on any of the cars. They only have the one rearview mirror up here. That's the only one. And as far as drivers, they don't look at it that much. You say, why? Because they have some t- strategic people that are in the middle of the track, and they're called spotters. What a spotter will do via radio who's connected to the driver will tell the driver, hey, don't look behind you. Keep driving Forward because when you're going 200 and something miles per hour You don't have a lot of reaction time So that split second you look behind or you look up It's a split second you could lose the race and you could crash So it's very dangerous for these drivers to look up in these mirrors So they have spotters And they have to listen to the voice of that spotter Listen to the voice of that one that's guiding them For some of you, you're so focused on your past You're ruining your present You're so focused what's going on behind you You're not seeing that you're wrecking your life You're not seeing that you're wrecking your memory you're not seeing that you're wrecking your children's life, you're not seeing it because you're so focused on what happened, and for some of you, your past was great, you're pretty darn awesome as a football player, you're pretty great, you dated all the great girls or all the great guys, and you want to just live in the past, and that's still messing up your present, because your past will always swallow your present, if you let it, it'll keep going, and there's some people, they love to just live in the present, or live in the past, just living in what I used to be, what I used to do, how I used to live, and how much money I used to have, and how great it was before I married you, how, for how great it was before I had you kids, man. Man, I had clean clothes. I had money in the bank account. And my car always had gas. Man, life was good. And we just lived back there. And I know it's funny sometimes a joke about it, but sometimes it sours our spirit and it changes things inside of us. So don't let your past swallow your present, but don't let your fear frame your future. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, if you're going to press forward, and it was a precarious time. He's in prison. He's in prison. And here he's saying, hey, we got to move forward. But I noticed something, and notice it if you would. The Apostle Paul says, brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. But then in verse 14, it's almost like the Apostle Paul started talking to somebody. And then in verse number 14, it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's almost like the Apostle Paul is like almost doing what I'm doing. It's almost like he's up here, and he's teaching to people. He's talking to people. And then it's almost like he gets contemplative in verse number 14. And it's almost like in verse number 14, he steps away from speaking to the crowd. And it's almost like he's talking to himself. I press toward the mark. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't seem like when you, when you read it, it doesn't seem like he's talking to the crowd. It seems like he's talking to himself because imagine you're in prison. Imagine life isn't looking too bright. You're, you're wrestling with thoughts of, is this the end? And here the Apostle Paul, he started talking to himself. Hey, some of you are really good at giving out advice. I wish some of you would take your own advice. You're okay to tell others what to do, but I wish you would do some of it. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, I'm done with advice. I need to talk to myself for a second. I need to have a little powwow with me. I need to, l- to say, hey, you know what? These emotions, these feelings, the past, they're going to kill you. They're going to mess this thing up. We've got to stay focused on what God has on the future. And so I don't have time for that. So here he is. He's saying, I can't stop. I won't stop. I've got to press toward the mark. I've got to keep working. I've got to keep going because I have a high calling. I've got a calling that's bigger than this God has called me not just to be just a mom and dad not just to be a spouse not just to be a good parent but God has called me for something and for some of you that's what you need to do this morning is to remind yourself that what you're doing is for a higher calling that who you're here for is for a higher calling and stop just talking to the crowd all the time stop talking to your small group I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that how about you go do that how about you go and read your Bible how about you go and love your spouse how about you go and have some prayer time how about you go and witness to somebody? How about you go and start being a part of the offering? How about you go and be a part of serving? How about you stop telling people what to do and you start talking to yourself, hey I'm going to press toward the mark. Hey I'm going to do something. I can't stop and I won't stop. I'm going to keep on going because there's a prize. I'm doing this for God. There's something I'm reaching for and I don't care if anybody doesn't feel me in here. I feel it. I feel the spirit working. I know that God is speaking. You can clap all you want to. I'm excited. You don't, I don't need you to clap. I don't. I pay you to but I, I, you know, I don't need you to. But uh, uh, I I get, I'll get worked up here on my own. I'll have a good time by myself. See, God is saying, hey, there's some people that just got to get inside that say, I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop on this thing because life is going to get hard. And we need some people that are just going to keep pressing, just going to keep working. And I know summer's coming. I know summer's coming. And I don't expect you to work as hard as me. I don't expect you to always be there and always working hard. But you know what? I just don't want our church to fall into complacency. I just don't want God to look down and say, what happened, church? What happened to you guys? You guys were on fire. You guys were hot. You guys were doing something. I was about to raise up something great, but you guys kind of just got, man, you got cool all of a sudden. You just got cold. It was like it was good and it was going, but then something happened over that summertime. You just kind of let up for a little bit, and I I don't know why. I don't know. Things were going well, and here the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I press. It's one thing to press. It's one thing to work hard when things are good, church. It's hard when things aren't good. Hey, it's, it's not easy to do a good job when the boss stinks. Hey, it's not easy when the family's not going so well. It's not easy to do a good job. Hey, it's not easy to be a good parent when your kids are rebelling. It's not easy. Hey, it's not easy to, to always be at church when you say, I, I come by myself, my spouse doesn't come. But I, I'm here. I know it's not easy. I'm not here just to yell at you. I, I'm, I'm passionate about this thing. We've got to understand that we've got to keep going. So don't let your fear frame your future. The psalmist said this, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And remember, your fear is simply faith in the enemy. When you give in to fear, you're just giving in to faith in the enemy. So keep going. Keep pressing. You say, but why would God choose me? You see, God's choice in choosing you doesn't make sense. But I love that God doesn't work on sense. He works on grace. And God poured out his grace on you. And he loves you and he wants to use you. He said, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. I was with some some others this weekend, and we, we were listening to a pastor preach, and I love the way he talked about grace. He said, some of you feel like you can't have grace because you don't understand grace. And then he said, you don't understand your wife, do you? But there you go. I mean, you guys are still married, you know. So you, just because you don't fully understand it and there's not a man here that understands their spouse. Hey, we may pretend, we may try to act like we do, but we're just as clueless. We have no clue. And he's saying, hey, Grace, you don't have to fully understand it, but God just pours it out on you. We don't deserve it, but he just gives it. But then notice, your limitation is not your lid, it's your launching pad. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's trying to r- r- stir this church up, and we're thinking, Paul, you're in change. You can't preach the gospel. You're writing a letter. How effective is that? I've written letters. I've written letters to my senator. I've written letters to my uh, my, my lawyers. I've written letters to my creditors, and I've tried to get things changed. My letters don't do anything. The Apostle Paul, he understood that, wait a minute, even though I, it seems limited, he says that I'm not limited. My lid, my limit is not my m- my limitation. It's not my lid. It's my launching pad. You see, there's another book in the New Testament, the book of Philemon. The Apostle Paul is going to meet a servant by the name of Onesimus inside a prison. Now, I understand none of us want to have a prison ministry from the inside. But here the Apostle Paul, he had that prison ministry, but he was doing something with it. He said, wherever God puts me, I'm going to do something. I don't care if I'm tied to a Roman soldier, I'm going to witness to the Roman soldiers. I don't care if I'm tied to another slave, I'm going to witness to him. The book of Philemon is all about one character by the name of Onesimus, and Onesimus gets saved. Onesimus ran from his slave owner, and Paul witnessed to him. Onesimus gets saved. Onesimus' life gets glorious changed, and then Paul writes a letter to his slave owner and says, Onesimus, you need to go back to Philemon, and you need to straighten this thing out. And so Paul sends him back to him, but Paul never would have reached him if he wasn't in a prison. There was that one life that he never would have had that impact if you wouldn't have been in an uncomfortable spot. For some of you, you say, I'm in an uncomfortable spot. It doesn't feel real good. It's not exactly where I want to be. But God says, that's exactly where I want you to be. That's exactly what I have for you. It's not comfortable. It's not pleasant. But if you endure a little bit of pain, you're going to see a whole lot of produce. You're going to see a whole lot of product. I'm going to do something in the middle of that if you'll just stay with it. So your limitation is not your lid, it's your launching pad, church. So stop looking at these things that are devastating and these things that You're just saying, why why would God do this? And start changing your mindset. What does God have in this? What is God wanting to teach me? What is God wanting to do through this? But the Apostle Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But then he goes back to speaking to the crowd in verse 15. He says, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. But wait a minute. In verse number 12, the Apostle Paul said, not as though I'd already attained, neither were already perfect. He's saying, I'm not perfect. But then in verse number 15, he says, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. He said, us, let us before he said, hey, we're not perfect. But then he said, hey, we are perfect. I, I was like, God, I'm, I'm really confused here. How am I supposed to teach it to the people when I'm confused about this? If it's a fog in the pulpit, man, it's going to be a fog out there. They're not going to get it. What are you trying to say? And then I kept reading. It's always amazing. You just keep reading the Bible. The Bible will explain itself. It's so good. It's a trick for you if you don't understand I'm Just keep reading. God will reveal it to you. That's a good advice, preacher. Just keep on going. All right, I will. I will. Okay. Nobody else likes it. I like it. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. If anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, Less whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. And all of a sudden, it made sense. The Apostle Paul said, hey, we're perfect in some things. He's saying there are some things we've attained. Not everything, but we've attained. And then he says, in the things which we've attained, the things which we've grown in, the things which we've matured in, let's walk those things out. Let's be that. Because he's speaking to a church and he says, hey, church, you've grown in these things. But you're not working these things. I have this third point. Please write it down. It's hard to be what you can't see. It's hard to be what you can't see. For some of you, you're saying, hey, uh, I've learned some things. But if you don't live it out, there's somebody else that they won't see it and they can't be it. Because just like our children, they don't listen to our advice. They follow our example. Have you noticed that? They rarely listen to our advice, but they follow our example. There are things that Austin does. I, uh, I joke with my wife, and it's a Filipino thing. I, I don't know how I picked it up, but they'll, they'll talk, and I'll just say, you know, just, I'll just say it. Well, Austin's picked it up, and so Austin, I'll start talking, and he'll say, and I'm like, dude, you are like uh, two feet tall. I will put you in your room, and he'll say, and I was like, and then I said, don't say another word, word. He's seared, no joke, two years old. He's just like on it, man. I was like, oh, you're testing me, child. You are testing me. But understand that he can't be what he's not going to be what he can't see. So we need to model something. We need to example something. So the Apostle Paul said, hey, yeah, we're not perfect, but what we have arrived in, let's be. Let's do that. Yeah, we have some things that we need to grow in, but the things that we've matured in, the things that we've learned, and some of you, church, you've been in the church for a long time. You've learned something. Stop acting like you are you don't know anything. You've learned some things. God's taught you some things. Start living those things out. Start walking in them. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, church, yeah, you're not mature. You're only 10 years old, but guess what? Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind those things which we are among us. He says, let's walk this out. Let's do this because people are looking, for example, people need to see somebody who they can find. Because some of you, you're struggling in the middle because you've never seen anybody finish. And we've got to wrap it up around this point. If we're going to finish, it's going to be because we need to see somebody finish. Some of you, you were the first one to go to college in your family. For some of you, you're the first one to keep your marriage together in your family. For some of you, you're the first one to say, hey, I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to be the alcoholic my father was. I'm not going to be the drug addict my father was. I'm not going to give in to those things. I'm not going to have that anger issue like my mother or like my father. I'm not going to give in to that pornography addiction. I'm not going to give in to that I'm just a lazy good for nothing. No, no, no. I'm going to be different. And for some of you, it's time that you said, you know, I'm going to change some things. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to walk a different way. And some of you need to say, hey, I may not have seen it, but I'm still going to be it. So you walk those things out. You live those things out. You start saying, hey, Lord, I need your help to do it. And God will help you. In chapter 2, remember what it said? For the God which works within you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working. He's working. Why? To do what? To bring your conduct. To reach the level of your calling. Our conduct needs to reach the level of our calling. The Apostle Paul said, I press towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, hey, I don't just do this for nothing. I do this for something. And then this is great. I read another verse. I, I didn't understand this. So I went over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number three, verse number one. The Bible says there this. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. We all have a heavenly calling. We all have a prize. We all have a day that we're going to stand before God, and we want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We all have something that we need to live in. It's not enough. Oh, I just got saved. and I'm just fine. I'm just going to stay here. No, no. There needs to be a point where we say, I'm growing in some things. I'm, I'm going to develop. Because God is saying, I'm trying to bring your conduct to the level of your calling. Because you who call yourselves Christians, let's be Christians. Let the world know that we are Christians, not by what we say, but by our actions. That they can look at us and say, there's something about that person. Something about their spirit. Some way that they treat their family. There's something about them that they are followers of God. Hey, we've got enough people Give giving Christians a bad name. We need to be the ones giving Christianity a good name. We need to be the ones that are just something about you guys, where it's something that, man, we love differently. We live differently. There's something wonderful about us that we just understand that God wants to do something different. Your conduct needs to reach the level of your calling. And then lastly, you can't change your character overnight, but you can change your course overnight. Some of you say, well, well, it's really hard to change a habit. Yeah, you're not going to change it overnight. Don't kid yourself for a second. You're going to change that overnight. It's going to take some time, but you've got to work at it, but you can change your course. There are some things you could change right now in your life, and I'm praying that it is, it, it, that God would do a work, that there would be those specific things where he would just begin to change in you, those things you say, I've been wrestling with this, and you would make a decision and say, God, I've been wrestling with this thing. I, I know that you've been wanting me to change in this. My spouse has even been bringing it up to me. Every time I hear the preacher speak, I mean, he could speak on something else, but you're convicting me about that. And I don't know why in my devotions everything comes back to that thing. And I don't know what your thing is. And you don't know what my thing is. But we've all got that thing. That thing that we're wrestling with. That thing that we need help with. That thing that we struggle with. That thing that we keep bearing with us. And it's time that we say, you know what? I can't change my character overnight, but I can't change the course. I'm going to take a turn here. I'm going to do some things differently. I'm going to make a different decision here. You're saying, You're Paul is saying, I know you're not there yet, but what you have learned, teach. Like, live out those things. Live it out. Walk it out. Be something different. Because we need some people in a church that says, I'm reaching for something. I've never seen a runner that was ever going for a prize run with all of his gear on. When they run, they get as light as possible. They wear those really weird spandex shorts. You get those runner shoes and you hold them and they start getting down in the ounces. Oh, these shoes weigh so many ounces. Because why? They don't want any weight. They don't want anything that's going to slow them down. I think us as Christians, we pile on so much and we wonder why we're just not effective. We wonder why that it, it seems like the more we have doesn't make our lives better, and so we just go through life a little bit more miserable. And we're wondering why we're not effective at uh, reaching our neighbors or effective at reaching our family for Christ. It's because we piled on so much. We're trying to run, and it's, it's ridiculous. I laugh when I go through airports and because most of the time I am that guy. I have the baby stroller. I have my wife's suitcase, I have the baby's car seat, I had the diaper bag, praise the lord that we're out of the diaper bag stage, and then you've got your suitcase, you got the other thing, and I'm too cheap to spend 250 to get that little stroller cart and put it on that, and wheel that. No, I would rather just muscle this thing. And so I'm that guy that as I start out, man, things are okay, but I'm in the middle of the, tar- uh, the terminal. I'm walking, and man, my knees are getting lower, and I'm getting slower. Why? Because I'm just weighted down, and my wife looks at me with her Jamba Juice. Can you hurry it up? We got a plane to catch. <laughs> mm, yes, ma'am, you know, and they just keep trudging along. I look ridiculous, and then, and then I see another dad with his kids, and you know, he's got all this stuff. We just kind of look at each other, and we know Which kind of like there's a bro code, you know, we're just kind of like, yeah, man, I I know what you're going through. You know, we didn't sign up for this, but this is what we got. You know, this is it. This is this is what dad of the year looks like. And for some of you, your Christian life, man, you start out real good in January, man. Even with all that baggage and all that crap you carry and you're just going through it. But all of a sudden you're like, man, life's getting really difficult. And you're wondering why you're slipping into complacency because you're carrying all that baggage. It's ridiculous. And you would just say, hey, you know, some of this baggage has got to go. Some of the stuff that I'm carrying that's slowing me down, this is ridiculous. Why carry this? Why do I keep doing this? It's not effective. It doesn't help my marriage. It doesn't help my walk with God. This isn't, this isn't helping me. Because I've, I've, I've got to keep going. I've often told people, if we're going to journey far, we've got to travel light. If we're going to journey far, we're going to travel light. Now, I'm not saying sell everything you have and and move off to a monastery in Tibet. What I am saying, though, is our soul needs to travel light. Some of us, we carry so much on our soul, so much on our heart, and that just weighs us down. The pain of the past, fear of the future, that'll cripple you. It'll weigh you down. And it's time to say, you know what? God's called me to accomplish something, and I've got to make it because I can't stop because I'm setting the example. Because people don't follow my advice. They follow my example. And if they're going to follow my example, I want to be a finisher. We live in a day and age where people don't finish anything. We don't finish. Come on, we see it all the time. What happened? Did you finish high school? No, I got my GED. Come on, I mean, that's good. You got your GED, but why didn't you finish? I don't know. I just wanted to work. Yeah, did you finish college? No, I dropped out of college. I bounced around a couple community colleges, kind of do this and this. And yeah, I'm working at McDonald's. Minimum wage might go up to $15. bucks. i am like, you're making more than money, you know? And, uh, you know, people, you say, what about this? Or or, what happened to that project? What happened to that job? What happened to that relationship? Can't finish anything. We need to go back to being a generation that are finishers. Finish what we start. The church needs to be full of people that finish what we start. That we look at our marriages, we look at our families, and say, God, this is what you've entrusted me with. Good and bad, thick and thin. I'm going to finish with this. I'm not a perfect person. My wife's not a perfect person, but we're in it together. We're to finish this. And I know sometimes we think, well, well, I don't like this person. I'm going to trade him in. I'm going to go get another one. You know, I, I talked to my grandmother. Her husband died at a young age, and they got married young, but through it all, all the stories, I don't have time to share them with you. She was like, we just stuck it out. Just stuck it together until the moment he died. And then I said, Oma, the grandmother in German, I said, you were 44 when he passed away. Why didn't you remarry? She said, I never felt peace about it. I just felt like it was something where my heart was still his, even though he wasn't here. My Oma today, she turns 86, I think. Today is her birthday. And I love that woman because she said, I'm just going to finish something. One man. And I know that's not always perfect. It's not always ideal. And I think today we've lost the art of the value of somebody who finished. I'm not trying to heap guilt. I'm just saying it's a powerful example when you see somebody who finishes something. It's a powerful example to see somebody who stayed in the church 30 years. Through all all the junk that the church has done. Through all, all the bad things that could happen. People that just stay. It's amazing to see a parent, even when that kid does go off, they just stay with them. Fight for their kid. Show up for their kid. The kid's 21, still making a mess of their life. 25, still making a messy life. But you're still there. You're still fighting for him, still praying for him. You're still up all night worrying about him. Don't give up on that. That's, that's what's going to make the difference. Hey, church, we need to be a church that says, you know what? i got a coworker. He's not saved. And he's crying out for something. And I'm not going to give up on him. I'm not going to quit on him. you got a relative that you know their life isn't so great. And you're like, you know what? They, they deserve. I mean, they made that bed. they got to lie in it. Don't give up on that person. Hey, can I say don't give up on you? There's a tension, complacency, and contentment. We're going to have to wrestle with it. Tomorrow, June 1st, six months, halfway through the year. We made some great resolutions in January. How are we doing with those? Let's push. Let's press. Because we have a high calling. Let's stand, church. Let's stand.